0: Signing up couldn't be easier. Just visit printondemandcast.com slash VIP and enter your email. Don't let another day of potential pass you by. Become a part of the VIP list, grab your annual design calendar, and let's dive into a year of inspired creating together. We'll see you on the other side.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Print on Demand cast episode 87 and we have another guest on this episode that's been a guest before, is a mm-hmm. guest again and really excited to, to talk with him. Actually, a customer requested episode that mm. she requested, when I say customer, I I mean listener, <laughs> she's, she's not our customer. Uh, <laughs> apparently I'm still in work mode, she's a listener, um, but we met her. Uh, this last week at the Graphic Pro Expo in Denver. We'll get to that shortly. But before that, Travis Ross joins me, as always, from the room, it, behind the door, behind me. So, Travis, happy Monday, man. How has things been going? Uh, today seems like another crazy Monday.
0: Yeah, it it really was. Um, finally got our whole staff back today. Uh, had somebody, yeah. one of our staff members got in a car accident last week and was mm. out from Tuesday through Friday, so um, our production manager was uh, kind of he was taking on that particular department and trying to coordinate. Um, had a lot of DTG orders going on, so he was trying to coordinate, but also trying to do sublimation, and it was it was quite the week. But um, today uh, we had everybody back, and so seemed to knock out a lot of orders that were like almost you know finished or had been started, but. Uh, so got a lot of stuff done today. Um, having everybody back and, yeah. and then towards the end of the day, Josiah, you launched a new store. Uh, we just posted yeah. that on the make your mark design page. Uh, why don't you tell them about that and what's
1: going yeah. on with that store? Yeah. So go check that out on the make your mark design Facebook page. But, uh, there is a, a guy's name is Cody Wilson and he runs a Facebook page here. Um, it's, he's a, he's a freelance meteor meteorologist easy for me to say he's a weatherman but he doesn't work uh for a particular news station or anything like that and he just posts updates to um his his facebook page and i noticed and it, he's got a podcast too i think doesn't he yes he does he does have a podcast where he kind of goes over um you know weather forecasts i've, I've actually to be fair not uh, heard much of his actual podcast before, mm-hmm. but I know that he does have one. But uh, I was actually made aware of him, um, through Josh's wife Carly, I believe. Uh, Josh is a mutual friend of Travis and myself. Um, but mm-hmm. so made aware of his page, and uh, she was like, He's really accurate weather forecasts and better than all the news stations. So I just gave him a casual follow. And then I realized that he's got ninety five that he's gained five thousand followers since the last time I looked, which is crazy. He has ninety five thousand <laughs> followers, um, and he has a very unique personality, and he says a lot of uh, funny stuff. I've, I noticed that in his Facebook posts, mm-hmm. um, some of the words he uses, his sense of humor, and so I just thought I'm I'm just gonna you know throw a line out there uh, and see if he's even interested in and doing merch and I, I pitched him and i said listen i'm i'm one of your followers some of the stuff you say is hilarious i notice there's some consistent things that you say that should probably go on some merch and uh, he responded to me and said hey i can't promise anything but i'm interested let's have a conversation so it's been a back and forth for a handful of weeks mm-hmm. um got some designs made for him um helped him create the store and and he's going to link it to his web page but he launched it today. And uh, it's been up for an hour, and he's got 72 shares, 539 reacts, and 107 comments on this (laughs) Facebook post, which is crazy. It's it's so wild to me. I mean, he's a weatherman. He's a freaking weatherman. It's crazy. I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this before where a high follower count doesn't necessarily uh, impress me anymore. If someone's like, hey, this guy's got Mm -hmm. 150,000 followers. I like to go to the posts they make. I like to read the comments. That are left, and I like to see if they're interactive with their followers. Cody is incredibly interactive with his followers, and so it's built a lot of loyalty, trust, relationship, friendship, even over uh, a screen, which is crazy. So he's got a lot of loyal followers. Um, Yeah, so he launched his store today, and so things have been kind of uh, blowing up. I I would I would anticipate overnight there'll probably be some more uh, traction. That happens, But um, it's always exciting to see when, when that happens. And he's the kind of guy that wants to keep uh, releasing content, kind of mm-hmm. dripping it over time to get people to come back to his page. Uh, I think a lot of people do that where they're like, hey, I want 97 designs up front. I want everything I've ever yeah. thought of in life to be <laughs> in this store right now. And you have to kind of talk them out of the idea of launching so much at first and leaving some stuff that can intrigue the the consumer to come back so there's tons of reasons behind that we won't get into them because it's not the topic of this episode but um you mentioned uh, the production manager filling in for everything last (laughs) week as one of our workers was was out um Mm -hmm. and so we're so busy i mean i was i was doing some production last week as well uh kind of you know getting the old uh printing rust off and and getting (laughs) things pre-treated and printed and and ready to go, so,, uh, but you mentioned production and production manager, and that's actually who we have on the show today, Travis, tell mm-hmm. everyone who's on the show, why they're on the show, and then we'll bring him on the show.
0: <laughs> well, not only did we have um you know, busy week last week, we also talked about last week how we were going to go to the Graphics Pro Expo that was in Denver last Thursday and Friday. And so um, so you and myself and Tate, actually, we went to the Graphics Pro Expo. And while we were there, before we were there, uh, you'd gotten a message on, on our Instagram that said, hey, I'm going to be at the Denver show uh, and would love to meet you guys uh, from a listener that you talked yeah. about earlier. Her name's yep. Kate. Yep. And uh, she actually works at another print shop or um down just basically south of us and kind of south denver where we're more north denver um and so we actually hung out hey there she is yeah and uh there's all all four of us at the uh gpx show there and um it was it was really great getting to meet her she's man she's uh she's got um a really great head on her shoulders she knows kind of what she wants to do she understands what she doesn't know. And so she asks questions that are really pointed and, and content rich. And, uh, we had a really great discussion with her. I told her, yep. um, I told her, man, I would love to hire her. You know, <laughs> she's <laughs> she's just really on the ball with, um, with all that. So anyway, while we were talking, she was just mentioning how, um, she would love some more detailed explanations of, some of our um, staff and in particular yeah. the, the production manager. And so right. we decided um, after that we, that we were going to do that. And so today we were just like, Hey Tate, why don't you stay late today
1: <laughs> and uh, we'll give we you a are- beer and you can yeah. record exactly. as if you don't get enough of talking to us from eight thirty to five we're going <laughs> to subject you to talking more to us. Exactly. But there's alcohol. So I think that's, I think that was the, <laughs> the 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 line real quick before we uh go and before we bring him on um i wanted to also shout out uh kate's instagram if you guys are, are listening and you want to check out kate see what she's up to you can go to kate's collabs on instagram that's k the number mm-hmm. eight s collabs um she's again like travis said fantastic conversation she's trying to kind of do her own thing where she's helping supplement and help other print shops with people who need stuff done because she she's had noticed a huge need in the industry for that. So give her a follow. Super, super thankful that we got mm-hmm. to meet and chat with her uh, there at the Graphics Pro Expo. So without further ado, we are going to bring on the Make Your Mark Design Production Manager and Travis's son, the boss's son, who sits right there in the bullpen with us. Tate Ross. Tate, welcome back to hello. the Print on Demand cast. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? Well, we're good. So <laughs> also, uh, course, I feel so unprepared. You
2: guys have all these cool lights, and I'm just here with my
0: embroidery machine.
2: Embroidery with machine. Your be- but with your best I almost a baseball bat too a few
1: months ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, Tate understands why embroidery turns you into functioning alcoholic. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Well, we had to put him somewhere else because he couldn't record sitting at the desk right behind you. So we just shoot him into the uh, embroidery cave.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we actually <laughs> took into consideration production quality <laughs> for, for this episode. For the first time. As this opposed to – the first time to, for everything. C- well, because usually if there's, th- if, if there's three of us – 87. If, oh, sorry. If, if, if there's three of us that are doing something and we're all in the same vicinity, we will just sit in a room and chat. And mm-hmm. it's very low maintenance, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, and then the other thing about Kate, real quick, shout out to her. She specifically mentioned the shop tour, which was the most last second shambled <laughs> together thing that Travis and I have ever done in the history of this podcast. And she Episode was like, 83. It, was, it was fantastic. And I was like, she is a true diehard fa- fan because <laughs> that was all over the place. But anyway. Tate, welcome to the show. Travis, why don't we uh why don't we get into everyone's favorite segment? Since we have a guest on the show, we told Tate that he had to bring a dad joke with him as well. So that means that it's the time for this week's weekly dad joke.
0: Time for the weekly dad joke. All,
1: All right. right. All right, let's uh you know what? Let's let the guest go first. Okay, yeah. Oh me. Give us yes. Give I don't us want to set the your... bar too high or low well, well <laughs> it's yeah it's okay we're, we're, we'll make it through if you outshine us it just makes you look good okay um
2: well i i i did some five minutes of research um and i couldn't find a, a good joke but i did find a good statement and it, more more question okay um so i i'm just curious i was thinking the other day i was out at the lake and i was thinking why aren't jet skis called boater cycles? This is a serious topic that I really want to raise awareness <laughs> to. Um, I think I might actually launch a, a store, so keep an eye out for MotorcyclesUnited.com. Motorcycles, no am gonna unionize United. the motorcycles. the motorcycles. I don't even own a motorcycle or a jet ski, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. So I have to purchase like one, it.
1: get in the club. I like it. I like I
0: it. it. I feel like you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Josiah. You know, he's, yeah, he's a chip off the old block there.
1: He is from the dad jokes to the hair, Mm -hmm. all of it. It's all very similar. All right. So give us, I'll go for it. Yeah, you do it.
0: Yeah. So I, as, as I mentioned last week, I'm actually in a band and uh, while we do all covers occasionally, you know, I'll write something. So I actually wrote a song about a tortilla, but well, actually it's, it's more of a rap.
1: And that's this week's (laughs) weekly dad joke. A little peek behind the scenes, dear listeners. When Travis said that, I died laughing. Uh, For some for some reason, it hit me inside where it counts. It was so I just it was (laughs) so we had to we had to share that with you guys. So, all right, as we mentioned before, this week's main event, Tate Ross is with us. Uh, He was a guest on episode 43 of the print-on-demand cast. And uh, we want to kind of go through your job description, right, Travis? We're going to kind of break it down. Kate said, give me more specifics. And, Kate, we raised you his entire job description. (laughs) So buckle in, because I don't – I mean, you're going to hear it all. So here we go. Travis, take
0: it Well, before we do that, I feel like we – you know, if if you
1: haven't seen episode 43,
0: it, you know, we always ask everybody what their pod story is. And so Tate, can you give us kind of an abbreviated, like, how did you get into print on demand? I mean, I know they could go back and listen to episode 43, but I think we have a lot of listeners that maybe haven't been with us that long. And so they may not know who you are and for their benefit, let's go ahead and just share a little bit about what got you started in the print on demand industry.
2: Yeah. Um, First exposure um, was me walking downstairs to ask you something at our house. And uh, you were in the corner making coffee mugs. Um, And pretty soon after that, you hired me on to start kind of helping out in the basement, literally just making coffee mugs. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world that people would buy, you know, a coffee mug with these funny sayings on it. and then pretty soon after that, a few months later, we purchased a space or you did a uh, space in uh, Longmont, mm-hmm. uh, worked there for about a year. We expanded into a little bit of DTG, um, but uh, we got out of the production business kind of right before COVID hit, kind of the, the January 2020. Um, and I wasn't mm-hmm. working in the print on demand space for that whole kind of pandemic uh, lockdown. And then yeah. in what was it? November 2nd of was that 2020?
0: Um, 2020.
2: Yep. 2020. Yeah. 2020. Um, I helped him move into this current space. Um, it really was just kind of like, hey, I need extra hands. Um, and I was like, okay, I can you know take some time off my other job at the time and helped out, moved some stuff in. Um, but they liked my leadership and kind of taking control of some of the situations and um, my previous experience. Um, so as a request of uh, you guys, call him. Uncle Mike and Aunt Jackie, they were like, "You should hire Tate." And so, uh, did an interview, got hired as uh, the production manager. And I've just kind of learned all the machines, um, all the new stuff that came with this current space, and I've just kind of grown my knowledge base from what I learned previously in in the sublimation kind of exclusivity.
0: Yeah, and you've—I would also say—you've taken those, um, you've kind of helped dial in some of that, and where we had issues with for example i remember um, you know the vinyl machine and how how we get our um, everything we need the files that we need from our clients you helped us kind of dial that in and and redo some of that and and that was not just vinyl that you helped us with that you really kind of got in there and saw okay this this part of the system doesn't really work that well and i think if we did it mm-hmm. this way it would be better and I think that's some of the leadership, um, potential, uh, Mike and Jackie and myself, we, we all saw in you when we were moving in and you were like, Hey, I think we should organize the room this way. And then we get halfway there and we'd be like, wait, what if we did it this way? No. Yeah, definitely. I think this is the way we do it. And okay, will you do that. Will you do that. And let's come together and, and, and you, um, you kind of just, uh, you know, grab the bull by its horns and really wait yeah. for it. And I think that's you know, primarily the what the leadership that we saw in you, um, you weren't afraid to speak up and direct people to get the most out of the situation, um, which I think is a great, um, uh, you know, quality <laughs> of, of a production manager. So, So we're going to just talk about your job description. We're going to read your, basically kind of your, The summary, the job summary, and then we're just going to read kind of bullet points of what your job description is. And then if you will kind of fill in the blanks with what that means and what you do to accomplish that part. Now, full disclosure, we have not updated this job description in probably a year since we hired you. And Mm -hmm. there are probably things on here that you do that are not on here. And there's probably things on here that you do differently. And there's probably things on here or probably things that aren't on here that you do do. I said do-do. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh, Josiah, why don't you um, share kind of, or start us off with like the job summary for tape. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah, so the job purpose or job summary, as Travis said, the production lead team member serves several roles, including executing the weekly duties, duties of warehouse operations, Product manufacturing and product shipping uh, reports to the operations manager, um, and so now we'll get into kind of some of the responsibilities and Mm -hmm. the thing, the duties. You started duties. Duties. Let's talk Uh... about let's talk about what you do do. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: Get away from us.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> right, let me so, let me yeah, just no, start. Right, I want right.
0: to yeah, I just want to start before we actually start reading off the the actual bullet points. I'm just curious when you when you hear that Tate, um the production lead team member serves several roles including uh, executing weekly duties of aware of warehouse operations product manufacturing and product shipping. Do you think that kind of encompasses what you do or do you think it's lacking? Or what are your thoughts on that general statement that kind of encompasses all the rest of the bullet points that we're going to get into?
2: Um, I think overall, I mean, it's a good broad statement. I mean, if you told that to somebody, they'd be like, what does that mean? But I think that's kind of the Mm -hmm. purpose of that broad statement. Um, It can be applied to any number of different shops. Like you could use that copy and paste anywhere. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that works well for what I think a production manager is. I mean, at the end of the day, their job is to make sure that the production is getting done in the manner that is high quality and in a timely manner. Um, and so whatever that requires you know, uh, of the person uh, definitely varies on you know the print methods you have, the scale of your shop, um, how many employees you're managing, um, you know, I, I've I've listened to some other podcasts where they have multiple production managers, and it's like, hey, you're just responsible for one department. So their whole focus is just mm-hmm. on like screen printing, for example, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, uh, and it can definitely vary, but I think f- for what I'm doing at this current shop and this, you know, in this year, I think that that covers it pretty well.
0: Okay, cool. You're you're muted, Josiah. I am I'm- muted.
1: There you I are. my cough mic, and then I, I didn't unmute it. So we're going to get into the bullet points now, the first one of which print daily orders, uh, print daily order labels and tracking non-stocked orders to completion in a timely manner. So what we're going to do here is I'm, we're going to read off a bullet point and then take, kind of uh, unpack that and expound on what exactly that means, um, like practically in the day-to-day of your job.
2: Um, so – Our current method for fulfilling orders um, for the e-commerce side of things um, is when an order comes in, uh, we have our VA create the print file for whatever department it belongs to, and then she marks it in like a ShipStation account. And then I go in the next morning, buy the shipping for that product, um, and I print off the shipping label and the uh, packing slip that would go with that, that gives all the information um, for that order. And then i group them together based on product type department that they belong to um just different things Mm -hmm. like that kind of my own discretion and it kind of varies based on uh, the time of year like in q4 i might split things up a little bit more than i would in like the summer months um but i get all those together and then distributed them uh, to the respective departments in the mornings and then the Uh, N.A. side of things is any product that we get an order for that we don't actively stock. So, for instance, we don't stock tie dye items, but we have some clients that sell those. It's my responsibility to make sure that those get notated, um, that they need to be ordered and then Mm -hmm. make sure that when they uh, get ordered, that they get received properly, get sent to the correct department. And then that person knows, hey, this order needs to be done first because it's been sitting there for a while as we wait to order it and get it received. And I've developed a lot of different um, organization and uh, management strategies to try to make sure that there aren't labels and stuff going missing and there are orders slipping through the cracks. And and granted, there are some, but I think in any system, there will be one or two that slip through Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But I think compared to what we started with back in Mm -hmm. 2020 to what we have now, I think we've reduced the amount of errors and mistakes and lost orders and misplaced. Uh, labels significantly.
0: Yeah. Can you tell, um, can you touch share with our audience, maybe some of the, um, systems that you've implemented to help with kind of this whole tracking these non-stocked orders or, yeah. or tracking all of these labels that are all over the place.
2: I can show you one that I made right here. Actually, this is, uh, this is an order. Uh, organizer this is for all the orders that come in each section is labeled a specific thing so you have today's orders yesterday's this weeks last week's and two order nas so basically every morning i put stuff in today people work on the today's orders if by the end of the day they haven't completed them they move all those labels up to yesterday and then when they come in the next day they work on yesterday's even though there are labels in today's orders and then on friday or if they don't get to them, they would move them up to this week's and then kind of fill this out. And then on Friday, everything that isn't done moves up to last week's. And then on Monday when they come in, they just work on all of last they, week's orders they start, until they get those. Yeah, they start for the back
0: and move forward basically, basically all the time.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then this back here is the section for, hey, this is an item I don't have, but it has not been ordered yet. So it's called two order NA's. Right. And then um, as soon as that gets ordered, there's another organizer that says ordered NAs that sits there. Um, And basically, once it's in there, they don't the production technician doesn't have to worry about that um, label until I give them goods. And then it's their responsibility to go through the ordered NA labels, figure out, hey, you know, these three have come in. These two I'm still waiting on, put the two back, work on the three first, get those packaged and out the door with the post office or whoever's you know taking them and then go back to working on the other orders. Um, and then as far as NAs go, I just developed a basically a spreadsheet that's you can print off and it has pretty much every single item each department can possibly sell um, from the most common items to stuff that sells once every year. Um, and basically they just print it off have it sitting in their department somewhere, usually on like their production table and they just mark it with the items that they need ordered. And then once or twice a week, I'll come in and say, Hey, I need your order sheet. Cause I'm placing an order. They'll give it to me. And then I know exactly what they need based on that day. And then I just have a mental note of, Hey, the last time they gave it to me was Tuesday. So on Friday, mm-hmm. I probably need to go and get their order sheet again and just uh, see what they need and then get whatever place. And that goes for both. Products that they produce and also like the maintenance items. So inks, okay. threads, all that stuff. There's two separate sure. per department.
0: So you kind of, we jumped a bullet point, I guess. Oh, uh, no, no, you're fine. It's fine. Is it, yeah. They kind of, they kind of melt together. I was just going to read uh, three and four. Ensure all production departments submit daily stock and supply requests with final order numbers in the required time. And then four is purchase and monitor levels of daily stock and supplies. So you kind of mm-hmm. talked about how you deal with the um, non-stock items. Uh, wh- how do you make sure that we don't run out of items that we actually do stock? And, and, and maybe there's other things you want to talk about, about uh, bullet point three and four that I just read. Feel free to, you know, kind of share whatever else you want to on those.
2: Yeah, um, specifically for the apparel side of things, or at least the, the DTG side of things, we have a system called Carbon Cards. Um, it's a system that a lot of other businesses use. So basically, you just have a piece of laminated paper that says the item it's for have you a know, standard t-shirt, black, extra large. You put it in a specific spot, um, for instance, like uh, for the shelves of t-shirts, you maybe put it on top of two t-shirts and then you stack the rest of the stock on top of them and then Mm -hmm. as the person is grabbing them they whittle down on the stock and as soon as they pull the one that reveals the card they pull the card put it in a basket and then write down that hey i need you know navy large and then when they give me the order sheet i order a specific amount that's specified on the Kabon card and then when the stock gets in i replace it back on the shelf that prevents any items that we stock from hitting zero Mm -hmm. um it varies based Mm -hmm. on popular popularity of item how much sell in one week um and then things like color you know uh, we obviously stock a lot of navy than we do black um and so for like black we even just got rid of the Cot1 cards and we just said hey we're going to order a case of black t-shirts and have a reserve case and as soon as you open the reserve case you just order another case um mm-hmm. For the rest of the items, we have little laminated entire sheets that have all the stock items listed on it. And it has a threshold number and it says if you get below the threshold number, you need to order them. Because for like mugs and stuff, it wouldn't make sense to have a cob on card because you know you have to like stick it inside of the mug and hmm. pull the mugs a specific way. So it wouldn't work for those items. But I just tell a production technician, hey, at the end of the day or when you're doing production, just keep an eye out. If you hit 12 or six or three of this item, you need to write it down on your, on your sheet. And, um, something that they kind of do every Thursday when they're doing cleaning,
1: they'll mm-hmm. take the
2: sheet around and they'll just look over the stock items and just note if they missed anything, but they're pretty good about knowing these items sell well. So I just need to make sure I have enough of them at any given point. And if I don't, then I need to tell Tate and let him know that, Hey, I need these ordered now. Cause I'm going to run out.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. So you mentioned a little bit about uh, the production text. We have about six different print methods here. Is that about, is that right? Six? Yep. Yeah. Um, So the second bullet point, the one that we kind of hopped over uh, is maintain knowledge for all production equipment and processes. So talk about of course what that means, but then kind of what it's been like trying to wrap your mind around six different print processes so that if a production member or a technician comes to you and says, Hey, I don't know why this isn't working correctly. You have to have at least some semblance of an idea of, okay, let's try, you know, A, B and C first. And if that doesn't work, then I have to go else or go call support, what have you. But talk about how that process has been with so many print processes. Like you said, it used to be just sublimation. Uh, When you were, when you guys were in Longmont, now it's, Everything else. So, <laughs> kind of, kind of share what that's been like.
2: Um, it definitely was a uh, kind of a struggle because when we moved in, it was November, so you're having the Q4 rush with all the e-commerce stuff. So, I'm having to help make sure orders get out, and then also learn all these print methods um, in this short amount of time from the people that are giving them to us before they leave after the end of christmas um so that was definitely kind of a lot to swallow um but i think the 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 biggest thing that i I realized was that like these machines are made by companies that are successful for a reason and someone out there has figured out how to make uh, this product probably work and -hmm. it's just a matter of uh not freaking out and going, oh my God, it's never going to work. It's just, I don't understand how it's going to work because I've never done it before. And you just learn kind of piece by piece. I think especially with the embroidery machines, I would spend four hours on the phone with Melco going over the smallest of details that to me now seem very trivial. But back then I had no idea Mm. and I would feel like, okay, cool, they're fixed. And then something else would go wrong. And I would be like, (laughs) oh my gosh, how can something else go wrong? But the thing is, is that it's something else that I haven't learned yet. And it was bound to go wrong at some point because I hadn't learned how to deal with it. Um, But now I know, Hey, all these things go wrong. Here's a million things that we can do before we have to spend four hours on the phone with Milko. Um, We can just Mm -hmm. figure it out ourselves. Um, And that's been a huge confidence boost for me, just uh, learning the machines. And I think, over time, spending more time with them has allowed me to realize different things about them, like behaviors and how manufacturers intended for them to be used, because they all have kind of their own quirks, like, oh, some Mm. people call this, this, and some people call this, this, and learning that verbiage, learning the, you know, behaviors of the machines and what they need has helped a lot. And then the, the biggest thing is just like, um, has been learning and understanding what the maintenance does. I think that is mm. such an important thing for a production manager, yeah. not yeah. just doing the maintenance to do the maintenance, yeah. but understanding what the maintenance is actually doing with the machine has yeah. been so important to be like, hey, why is the produ- why is the machine doing this? You know, why is it producing this product poorly? Mm. And I can go, oh, that's because this, because I know this maintenance prevents this problem. So when mm-hmm. I see that problem, I go, this is the maintenance you haven't done. Um, and that has been like a huge help because then I don't have to spend hours of my time troubleshooting something. I just know straight up, hey, this is what you need to do. Go do that. If it's still doing the problem, then, okay, we have a bigger problem. I know I need to go call somebody and be like, okay, what's going on? Right. Um, and, and that saved me a lot of time and just, you know, general lack of stress from
0: dealing with the yeah. machines breaking yeah, and I know that can be so frustrating when, you know, I remember in the summer when you were kind of, we didn't have an embroidery person and you were that embroidery person. It, I know it was painful, but the knowledge you gained being in that room, yeah. um, I think really, really helped you understand to your point, you know, okay, oh, I when I hear this noise on the embroidery machine, I know it's going to do this. It's the same thing with, you know, the DTG, Oh, I see streaks in the, the print. That means this, I, you know, or the, you know, the UV machine, uh, all of these yeah. machines that you've had to spend time with um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's enhanced your knowledge and you can kind of diagnose um, to where we're not always calling somebody every single time. Um, what the next one on the list is to mentor the junior production staff on appropriate safety and efficient equipment and machine operation now that technically could be two bullet points. Cause you're talking about safety, which is totally different than efficiency. Um, but I know they're both, I mean, we don't have anything that's like super dangerous. I mean, you could like, I guess you could like smash your hand in a heat, in heat press. press. But if you're putting yeah. your hand inside of the heat press and pulling down, you have other issues. Um, but <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> I would assume, um, so safety could be one thing, but I know you've spent a lot of time, at least on the efficiency, because that's the drum I beat all the time as the owner of the company. I want to make sure we're as efficient as we can be. Um, talk about how you've mentored some of our production staff um, in in the efficiency and if you can think of something in the safety as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can knock out the safety. The first thing that comes to mind with safety was this, we bought some – some racks from a uh was it like a sears or something that was closing down and Mm -hmm. we installed them in our warehouse and they have these ladders you have to climb up and Mm -hmm. um my first thought was i don't want anyone climbing these until we get posted safety rules and a liability waiver written up and have everyone that's going to use it sign it um and so we you know we have these posted rules um and there have been times where i've told people like hey you're not you're not following the rules. Um, you're carrying too much up the ladder, carrying too much down the ladder at a time. Like
1: mm-hmm. I understand
2: it can be annoying to follow those, but you you got to follow them because they're there for a reason. And I don't want anybody like, you know, seriously injuring themselves trying to bring down six shirts at a time instead of two, you know? Um, <laughs> but as far as the efficiency goes, um, the biggest thing has just been making sure that, when you're doing something something else is getting done at the same time because a lot of these machines can operate after you send the job on their own and they don't need you to pay attention to them you know Mm -hmm. so for the embroidery machine you load the hat in and push the go button and then for six minutes it's sitting there and sewing as long as nothing goes wrong during that six minutes um it's important that you're doing something else whether it's hooping another hat or cleaning another hat or figuring out where the missing art for this order is or pulling Mm -hmm. the next day's worth of orders um, for like a D2G. um, The peak efficiency is you can run one printer full-time. We have two 3070s, but you can run one one printer full-time and pre-treat at the same time and have enough stuff kind of like backlog pre-treated so that you can have the printer just constantly spitting out prints um, Mm -hmm. and be pre-treating stuff and making sure that people are doing that. Um, and staying on top of that rather than I'm going to pre-treat everything then I'm going to go print everything. And in between each print for 30 seconds while it's spitting out, I'm just sitting there and doing nothing and twiddling my thumbs. Right. Um, it's a lot harder now that we have the 3070 cause it's just done, you know, compared to the 2100, which was a lot, you know, slower, but, um, just doing things like that, making sure that like when something else is doing something, you're, you're, you're kind of doing two things at once. Essentially, yeah. and that's easier said than done for some departments, you know, like vinyl. You kind of have to pull everything and have it already. You kind of have to weed everything and have it already prior. You can't be like weeding and pressing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, temper your expectations per department, figure out what's reasonable and what's not reasonable. But um, just educating people on like, Hey, this is what I expect because I can do it. And so if I can do it, I need you to be able to do it as a production tech, because yeah. when I'm going out and quoting somebody or I'm talking to a potential client, I need to, I'm basically saying, Oh yeah, we can get it done in a week because I know I can get it done in a week. And so yeah. I have to put my trust in you that you can do that too. And that's, you know, my responsibility to make sure that they're trained well enough to, to know that, yeah, I can't get this done in a week and have that confidence.
1: Yeah, I think that's huge, man. I think in leadership in general, it's always good to, and, and Jason, and I would, would have this conversation a lot with What For Apparel where we would time ourselves. How many, how many prints can I get done in an hour?
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: that was the benchmark. Mm-hmm. Whatever he and I could do either individually or together was the benchmark we would set for someone working individually or together. Cause that's, that's where they need to be. But also knowing that if they had, if they had a question, if they were unsure, it was like, "No, we can, we did it first, and whatever, we're not going to ask you to do something that we're not able to do." So right. that that's the bar, um, which I think leadership in general is huge. In in WWE, Vince McMahon, right, a couple of WrestleManias ago, Rob Gronkowski showed up and took a <laughs> fall from about thirty five feet in the air, and Vince McMahon is a seventy something year old man at the time and said. Gronk, I would never ask you to do something I wouldn't. And he got up there and he threw himself off the whatever scaffolding and took the fall himself. So that's like wow. an extreme example. Of I'm not jumping off 35, foot thanks for you guys. I'm just putting that out there right now. Not doing it. So to give me a significant barrier. All of that all of that to say <laughs> uh it's it's a good leadership characteristic to be able to tell your your the people that you're managing and that you're overseeing and leading, "Hey, I you know, I get it." It seems a little stressful, but I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done myself or am yeah. not able to still do. So I think that's, that's a huge thing to keep in mind for those listening. When you're working with people, it really helps if you are, if you are able to communicate that to them. So, um, yeah, so the and next the bullet point, that, yeah, I I go ahead. To add the
2: the yeah, flip yeah, yeah. side of that is, um, as a production manager and, and, it's awkward because of, well, it's not necessarily awkward, it's just a, a different dynamic than I think some people have because of the father-son relationship. But it's also important as a production manager to be able to communicate that to your management, to the owners or the higher-ups in, in the company because sure, um, they can just see like, oh, why didn't this order get done? And to them it's like they should have gotten done and, and, and you understanding, no, this is the limit of what can feasibly be done you know, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, I put extra people on it to try to get it done faster. But, you know, there's only so much that you can be done in an eight hour shift. Um, and yeah. I'm not trying to overwork my employees. I'm, I'm telling them, hey, you know, make sure you take your breaks. Make sure you go on your lunches and relax and, you know, and, and you know, don't overwork yourself. Um, it's important that you have the confidence in not only your own knowledge of the department, but also the confidence to back your, you know, your, your text and go, no, they did what they could. You know, uh, this job will get done at this point, Um, you know, and that includes like, hey, we thought we could get it done by this point. But these are some things that came up that prevented that I -hmm. take responsibility, but it's now going to be pushed back to this, you know, Um, and being able to just own up to that and be like, hey, look, management, this is just what it's going to be. And being able to communicate that and and not be uh, I think this is a big thing for me, not be so attached personally to that production you know like Mm. because they're upset that the production didn't get done doesn't mean that they're upset with you they're just upset that the job didn't get done in the expected amount of time and that's reasonable um for any business to be like well i'm upset because i thought it was going to get done now and it's not going to get done now it's going to get done later so i have to wait and i have to explain that to my client now um but just know that like you know, as long as it's not a consistent thing, they're not losing faith in you. They're just, you know, verbalizing and expressing they're upset over that, as you probably did, you know, at some point to your text. You were like, "Oh,
1: <laughs> really?
2: We're not getting this job done in time." Yeah. Well, okay, I got to deal with that. What is the reality of that now? So I don't,
0: yeah. I, I, I don't remember me ever like doing that. Ever like being, oh my gosh, we're can't believe we're not getting this done. That's just <laughs> so not like me.
1: Yeah, I, I was, I was going to ask, no comment. you know, no so, comment. <laughs> I'm, here, I'm here just so I don't get fined. It's basically your, <laughs> your, your answer on that one. How how do you, uh, we'll move on to the job description, but since you kind of started that rabbit trail, what's your advice, you know, as a production manager, and I know myself in this in this situation, you get a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, you get a lot of heat from both sides, from your techs, from the management mm-hmm. and from the client. How do you or how how have you been able to develop um, a thick skin, right? Like, it's not personal. It's business. Like you just said, I understand. Um, but it still doesn't mean that in the moment, like I've had moments where I've been asked a question or something's gone completely wrong and I'm borderline on an anxiety attack. Okay. So you're just like, <laughs> holy crap. Okay. I got to figure out a way to clear my head and look at this objectively and then be able to solve, put out these fires. But what's that been like for you as a production manager who has a thousand questions from everyone involved in the scenario? Cause I ask you questions. I try to get to a place where I'm not having to ask you questions. Cause I understand you're being asked questions all of the time. So how do how has that process been for you where you're be, you've been able to kind of disassociate in, in the non-sociopathic way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, it definitely was
1: has been kind of difficult, I mean, because it went from me
2: being the only employee, so like, oh, I screwed up, I'm just going to stay late for another two hours, I don't care, I'll just get it done. And then it's like, now, I don't want to ask my production tech who has family to go home to or, you know, friends to go hang out with or plans to stay two hours late because something got screwed up. Um. So that was like the first hurdle was like realizing that okay there are other people's lives at stake that you know I'm not privy to all the details of so I got to be sensitive to that and realize that I have my allotted time and maybe I can ask them every once in a while like hey do you mind coming in but um, kind of growing out of that mindset and realizing okay I got to deal with this in in my allotted time um but the other thing has been I think it's very important. To keep a positive relationship with all the people that you're having contacts with, yeah. um, because mm-hmm. if you have a good relationship with them, they're more likely to give you some some slack and be willing to listen to you and understand like, hey, this is not who we are as a company. It was just a mistake or it was just, yeah. you know, too much on our plate and we just bit off more than we could chew. Um So I think that I I spend a lot of time trying to keep up good relations and ask a lot of questions of people just about like their personal lives. Like, hey, how are you? You know, how have you been? How was your day? Just little things like that and try to keep those those positive engagements going so that when I do have to have those tough conversations, they know, hey, this isn't him. He's not just a jerk and, you know, just throwing his weight around and like, oh, whatever, I'll get to you when I get to you. Um, they realize that, yeah, this is difficult for him too. And they have some sympathy there, um, you know? And then I think the, the thing that I, I, um, oh, I had a thought and I, I kind of lost it. there. <laughs> what was the, what yeah. was the last thing you said, Josiah there? There was like the third, like the, the, something about developing thick
1: skin about something. Yeah. Just not taking, y- yeah. The, the, the process of getting asked questions or whenever something goes oh, yeah. wrong, you know, inevitably somehow it can be, you know, it's traced back to you or from the tax from management from the customer. So how you've been able to be like, hey, it's not personal, it's business. I'm gonna leave this at work. I'm not gonna take it personally, that that whole dynamic of the job.
2: Yeah, I um this was specifically about the the questions thing. Yeah. Um like I, I um before Josiah got hired, I was doing a little bit of the sales thing. And so I was dealing with customers asking the same questions and I deal with like text coming and asking me the same questions. And I think mm. the, the thing that I had to realize was like a lot of these people, they feel like for me, there's like all six print methods encompass my whole world. And I have yeah. to monitor all of that to them for the client side of things, their shop is their whole world. So getting the shop perfect is so mm. important to them. Or like the the tech, just the DTG or just the embroidery is their whole world. They want to get that perfect. So to them, or to me, it's like this tiny little speck of garbage that I'm not even like that's not even on my radar. But the to them, it's this whole massive stain on half their, their world. And they're like, I need to know what I need to do about this. And so kind of looking at it from that perspective, I have to go, okay. I really need to like address this in the same level of urgency that I would like if mm-hmm. two of my yeah. departments are down, that's, you know, that's the stress level that they're experiencing Yeah, um, sure. because they don't know and they want it to be good and they want it to be perfect and they don't know what they don't know. So that's why they're coming to ask me a question.
0: And so right. even Let's, if they've
2: asked me before, it's like, okay, I'm going to tell you again. And eventually I think uh, through, you know, many months of working with the same people And, and building those relationships, eventually those questions die down because they feel like they've heard the same answer. So now they're like confident Mm. in knowing I can deal with this. And I think that builds their own confidence too. And being able to be like, you know, this is what I need from you. I can go, okay. And that frees me up to not have to worry and kind of like, feel like I have to micromanage.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's a a universal, you know, issue with leadership or, you know, or management um, because your fire that you are, it's blazing for you or, you know, not, not necessarily you, but also you <laughs> is only a small fire to me because I have a lot more stuff going on. And so for you, it's the same thing with your techs. Um, you yeah. know, that, that is a huge fire for them, but it's a smaller fire for you. I think that's just something we have to deal with in management. I think you really summed it up really nicely there to where you have to put your, you know, kind of, you have to wear their shoes, you know, in a sense and see, okay, this is really important for them. And so I need to take a minute and really focus on that. And I'm guilty of not doing that. When you come to me with something, that's a real big thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got these other seven other things or whatever. So um, I think that's, uh, that's, that's really, uh, really insightful. I was also going to say that I think you doing sales or at least a small part and dealing with customers, I think helped develop some of that and allowed you to see the other side of it um, to where it perhaps like in increased your awareness of the urgency for the customer that you, because a lot of times production managers just kind of, you know, they get locked away in the warehouse <laughs> and then they, and they never see customers. And so, that is, you know, again, using your analogy, that's their whole world. And so they don't care what's going on on the other side in the front half of the building where the showroom is and where the sales are mm-hmm. happening. But yep. you having to kind of live in that world for a little bit gave you an insight that I don't know that a lot of production managers get to have. And um, and I think it's 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 improved your ability to kind of see things holistically as a business, as opposed to just, you know, get the production done. And that's, that's it. And if a machine Mm -hmm. breaks, well, sorry, sales too bad. You know, we're dealing with this and it's a huge fire for us. Um, You're able to, you know, wear their shoes and kind of see it from their perspective a little bit, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. So Next bullet point. We're almost to an hour here, Travis. How do you, you yeah. want to navigate? We're not going to get through all this. <laughs> no, a part two maybe uh, uh, coming down. But which ones do you want to hit um, as we kind of uh, go and, and wrap this one up? There's a, what? There's one, two, three, four, six, eight mm-hmm. left. Which ones do you want to For- hit next?
0: Let's knock these out. Coordinate the receiving of raw materials and delivery uh, from delivery carriers and restocking coordinate the mm-hmm. up of packed and fi- final products for delivery to shipping carriers. Yeah. So in and out, how do you do it, Tate? What's the magic sauce?
2: Um, it's pretty much uh, we get a delivery pretty much every day from UPS. Um, it's just whoever hears the door get knocked on or the doorbell answers. It takes the boxes off the truck with the guy, puts them down and gives him anything that's going out with UPS that day. They sit there um, and then I print off all of the order confirmation um, and shipping confirmations that each supplier sends you whenever you, know, you place an order with them. Mm-hmm. And that's our record of what I specifically ordered. And then what mm-hmm. I do is I'll go and open each box and just pull out each item one by one um, with some things like mugs. It's super simple. Boom. Open it. It's a box of mugs. Cool. Done. With apparel, they stack in 200 things that are all different color sizes, types of garments, different things, ones mm-hmm. for this order, ones for this order, ones restocking. So that takes a lot longer. So I sit there and go, okay, yellow shirt, XL. Okay. I ordered that. Cool. And today, for example, there was a mix up. They sent us a bunch of larges instead of XL. So I have to note that on the sheet, mm-hmm. take that. And I emailed our rep and was like, Hey, can I get these replaced with the correct size? Um, and then, you know, if it's one item, usually they'll let you keep it, but if it's multiple items, they'll be like, Hey, you need to send that back. So then I got to coordinate, Hey, I need the return label. I need the RMA number, um, before I can send it back to you. Cause I'm not paying for that shipping. Um, and then once an item or once an order or a box or whatever is fully received, we have a system called RAF, which is just received in full. I write that on the sheet my initials so that people know that I was the one that received it. So if other people do that, they put their initials. And then just the date Mm -hmm. that you received it. And then that goes into a filing cabinet and just sits there. um, So we know that we received those items fully. Um, And then every couple of months, those go away. And then as far as outgoing, um, pretty much every department has a packing station built into the the area that it's in. Um, And it's up to the production tech to make sure that those items go out. I usually roughly kind of guesstimate that the post office will be here around two every day is kind of my rough time, but they're sometimes mm-hmm. here at noon, they're sometimes here at four, kind of just depends. Um, but I just you know make sure that people get their labels and get the production done, and then usually by about noon I'm going around to people going, hey, where are you at? Can we start, you know, bagging stuff. Um, with DTG, because we've been doing a lot of DTG lately and we get a lot of new clients doing that. I've been stepping in and kind of saying, Hey, just keep printing. I'm going to bag what you have so you can keep printing and not get behind, right. um, and just doing that. But a lot of it is just getting the stuff in the boxes, putting them in the giant UPS bag or uh, post office bags, putting them by the door. Um, mm-hmm. and then the big thing is making sure that the EODs or the end of day forms are printed out for anybody yeah. that doesn't know about those. I'll make the post office people love you not hate you. (laughs) Um, And just making sure those get printed out. Um, And it's it's pretty simple. I mean, it's just making sure that people are doing that or it's getting done at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And then whenever the post office gets here, just open the door for them. I usually help bring out all the bags just to be nice. We do sort bags by first class, priority, express, all that. Give them Mm to all of them. Make sure, keep the, the post office bags stocked, the big ones. And then uh, just once everything's done, I tell people just work on production. Don't worry about bagging anything until tomorrow. Again, just try to, you know, those yeah. last two, three hours of the day, just work on bagging and stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. To be fair, this is, I mean, some of this stuff is because of our size, we don't have the budget for a warehouse manager. Um, and so you're taking on some of those responsibilities that a warehouse manager would take on. So um, just to tie, put a little bow on that, EOD is, uh, is for the post office, the end of day form. Basically, it allows the the post office to scan one barcode and receive all of the data yeah. for that day's shipments. And they love you for that. They do. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, and then the other thing I was going to say uh, was you also do take a lot of time when in the morning, uh, particularly on like bulk orders, bigger orders, things of that nature. You are not just going, all right, sh- post office for everything. You're like checking to see if it's cheaper to sip. Uh, FedEx or UPS and what the time and speed, you know, I mean, it's not like every single order you're checking that, but you are checking that for the ones Mm -hmm. are larger. And since the post office has recently raised a bunch of their rates, that really is important. I know, I think uh, I've seen stuff that, you know, would cost $50 with the new post office rates that costs, you know, $18.50 at UPS so mm-hmm. of course we're going to ship that ups because it doesn't make any sense to you know give the post office an extra 30 35 bucks um yeah. for a, for a convenience fee because they're going to pick it up when they <laughs> pick everything else up but for our kind of bread and butter single item type things the post office really is the best option so your knowledge of that um mm-hmm. of that shipping and receiving is uh, again kind of a warehouse manager type role but it's something that you've been doing and, and, um, and have done really well at. So we're at 56 minutes. Josiah, what do you
1: think? Should we wrap this up? (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's, let's uh, put a bookmark here where we're at and maybe we'll do a part two covering the last, I think there were six bullet points left uh, in the job description. So uh, hopefully this was in depth um, for you guys kind of getting an understanding of what a, a production manager does. Uh, Like we've said before, when we cover these kind of topics, even if you don't have a production manager, uh, you're not at that point where you're hiring someone like that. Uh, Maybe you're just outsourcing and dropshipping everything. Conversations like this and insight like this can help you understand the process that your supplier is going through inevitably Mm -hmm. because they have a production manager or they have a warehouse manager. And so it can kind of give you some insight to give them some grace and understanding uh, when things are going crazy and well why is that printer so broken and your uv printer is broken i mean there was there's been days where there was a day specifically where two thirty seventies were both uh you know uh, on strike called into work they decided <laughs> not to show up there's been a uv printer sitting in the middle room that's been broken since i think you guys got the thing so <laughs> there's things that that happen that that cause bottlenecks and productions that sometimes you as a customer or you as someone that is utilizing that person as a drop shipper doesn't understand. And the production mm-hmm. manager is the person trying to put out fires for you. So right. it kind of helps you uh, gain an understanding and an appreciation of what all goes into it. So uh, like we said before, uh, we will go into a part two uh, in a later episode, but uh, until then we're going to go straight into the outro. So Tate, you get to hear me rattle off the information that I've rattled <laughs> off for an 87 episodes. Uh, and I still fumble and forget sometimes. We'll see how we do this particular time. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. If you have questions for us, if you have questions for Tate, you know what I'm going to tell you to do. Join the Facebook group, facebooktalkcom slash groups slash print on demand cast. Good news. There mm-hmm. is a Squarespace site being made as we speak. So one day, very soon, <laughs> you will no longer have to do the slashes and the groups and the other extraneous actions to get to where, you know, you want to be. And that's the print on demand cast Facebook group. You can ask us questions. If you have a question for Tate, let us know. I don't think he has a Facebook uh, because his nope. generation thinks Facebook is for old people. Uh, so <laughs> we, <laughs> so, so we uh, will relay the questions that you might have to Tate. Uh, on the Facebook group uh, for you. So uh, still <laughs> join the conversation, join the family. We'd love to see you guys there. That's how we connected uh, with Kate. And we also connected with her on Instagram, instagram.com slash print on demand cast, subscribe, give us a follow. If you have questions, you can DM us there as well. Like Kate did. And we'd be happy to talk to you. We have a YouTube channel. If you want to get the video for this every Friday around three o'clock mountain time, uh, we, we publish the video. YouTube.com slash the on of ManCast. If you want video early, go to Spotify. You have it on Wednesdays. You can watch the video there <laughs> as well. If you have a question for us, if social media isn't your thing, or maybe you don't have a Facebook like Tate, you can email us info at makeyourmark.design, uh, uh, makeyourmark.design still getting used to it. I, my default is what 4 which is no longer a thing. Info at makeyourmarch.design. Uh, and let us know if you guys have questions. We'd be happy to chat with you there as well. And as always, wherever there are podcasts, the PODcast is there for you. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor google all of the things were there for you but if you happen to be listening on itunes on apple Podcasts, sorry it's always going to be itunes to me on apple Podcasts. you can leave us a five-star review and feedback let us know what you're thinking what you're liking what you want to hear more of your favorite dad joke your favorite host team travis team josiah don't start those hashtags but if it makes you leave a review then i'll go with it i don't even care Uh, And you can rate us us as well on Spotify at the top of the feed, a five-star review, no feedback allowed, but you can still drop that five-star. If you do that uh, on iTunes or on Apple podcasts, we'll shout you out on the show because we always appreciate your feedback. Travis, Mm -hmm. anything else before we send them home? Happy.
0: Just want to say thank you to Tate for staying late today. You can hear more about his story on episode 43, as well as hear some of his magic question and uh, answers. Mm -hmm and um that was it though but thanks thanks tate for being on the show i think this was really good i'm looking forward to finishing this off yeah very soon um mm-hmm. i don't know if it'll be next week i don't know if it'll be the week after i don't know when it'll be but i don't we'll have see. to know can we talk
1: him into staying late for two weeks in a row we don't know
0: Ba-ba-boom.
1: but for money and
2: beer yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, he kind of he kind of buried the lead gave you the answer there but tune in next week yep. to find out but until then for Tate for Travis I'm Josiah we'll see you next time right here on the print on demand cast.
0: See ya. In a world where businesses everywhere are trying to make print-on-demand sales, one podcast goes above and beyond every week to bring the most POD-specific information there is. All to help save the day every day. Don't succumb to the enemies of your print-on-demand business. Sign up today for the Print-On-Demand Cast VIP email at printondemandcast.com slash VIP. This time, it's for real.